Let's do it. Alvazan with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you have. Why don't you go ahead and give us calls? Anything you want to ask a question about, make a comment on, a little discussion about, yep. you go ahead and give us a call. That's right. We're sitting here willing and ready to answer <laughs> questions. Rip roaring and ready to go. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> All rested up and ready to rock and roll. Just go ahead and give us a call. I'll be glad to try to get you some advice and point you in the right direction. I was talking to the fellows at the shop this morning, putting in some new floors, and I'll have some remodeling done at the shop. Yeah. And a couple of contractors were in there this morning and just talked to them. And normally when you're talking to someone and they find out you're in the automotive business, they're going to have some questions, just general stuff. Right. And we were just kind of talking about some different things. And, and we chit-chatted just a little bit. He says, well, I'm thinking about buying another car. And I kind of gave him my opinion on some of the cars that are out there. And all. He says, well, you know, he says, I'm looking on the Internet trying to get information. He says, that's real different from what I'm seeing on there. Right. And like I told him, I said, we well, got to be a little bit careful about the Internet. Internet is a wonderful thing. It really is. But if it's used correctly. Well, what has happened is that a lot of the big companies, political candidates, and all that have caught on to the fact that people like to research stuff on the Internet. And they believe it. Well, they have staff who sit there and seed forums. Exactly. <laughs> They're yeah. writing all kinds of stuff down there. General Motors probably has 500 people on staff that sit there and do nothing but answer forums and write stuff. And <laughs> you've got 10 million email addresses, so you never know. It seems like stuff consumers will say, oh, yeah, this would be great. Best car I ever had. Right. You don't know who's putting that on there. <laughs> that's, that's So it. you just, I'm not saying that you got to disbelieve everything you read. I'm just saying you got to take everything with a grain of salt because you truly do not know who this is writing this on here. And so you got to be very, 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 very careful. And if you've got a forum that you are familiar with where you sort of kind of know the people on there and you've got a little track history with them, well, that's a different story. But if you just kind of research and looking on it, you really don't know where a lot of this information is coming from. Well, that's it. You know, a lot of your information, especially if you type in a search bar mm-hmm. and you come up with a, a heading for information, a lot of that is paid that's information right. already. That's right. Some of know? that is paid for to get that position on the search engine. A lot of it is what they call search engine optimization, where you write it in such a way that it has a lot of certain tags in it. And these guys are absolute experts. They know exactly how to write it, so Google's going to register it way right. high. And everybody does that. Every website does it. I do the same thing. I try to put the appropriate tags to get mine listed up at the top of the rating if I can. But I'm just saying you got to be a little bit careful uh, the information you get and make sure it is unbiased information. And the key there, I think, is to get enough of it to where you can kind of balance it out. There you go. And anything that doesn't seem to fit or flies in the face of convention, be a little, do a little, research little more on careful it. Yeah. with that. Yeah. Let's go to our phone lines with Hank. Good morning, Hank. Yes, yes. Okay. Yes, sir. I got an 09 Chevy pickup uh-huh. with a V6 engine. Okay. It's good. just a little work truck. Yeah, it's a great engine. I like that engine. Uh, I, I love it. How often are you supposed to change the antifreeze nowadays? You know, GM says five years or 100,000 miles. And what you got to remember, that is the ideal, and that is the first fill only. Now, what's important is that the five years is more important than 100,000 miles. For instance, if you went five years and had 20,000 miles, that antifreeze would be 100% depleted. If you put 100,000 miles in the first year, it's going to look like brand new because it breaks down over time. It does not care about miles. So what we do at AGCO is we check the pH on it, and we check the specific gravity on it. When the pH falls to around 7, then it's time to change it. That normally occurs at around 3 years is what we're finding. Between 3 and 3.5 and years, I would definitely change it. And the subsequent fills 
can possibly deplete even a little bit faster. Okay. So you're an old nine. You figure you're, what's that, 10, 11, two years old right now? Yeah. Probably next year you look at that. And the best thing is to, if you got a shop you deal with, see if they can check the pH on the coolant for you. Uh-huh. That's what I find a lot better than trying to go by miles or anything else because there's so many variables. And when the pH drops to 7, it's neutral. All that reserve alkalinity is used up. That's when it's going to start turning acidic next, and it's going to start attacking your system. So that's how we do it. Yeah. I was getting ready. <laughs> how I many miles you got on miles. it? How many miles you got on Hank? That's it. I'm glad you said mm-hmm. that. All my mileage is in town. I got about 16,000 on Yeah, low miles. Yeah. But it's all in town. Yeah, that's tough. That's, that's real, real tough on any vehicle, those little short trips and all. That's what... GM is going to consider extreme service or Uh severe service. So what you need to do is follow their severe service schedule. If you can find it, that's Mm -hmm. going to be a lot more frequent oil changes. That's going to be a lot more frequent services. But some things care about miles. Some things care about time. You Uh just got to kind of know the difference. You know, for instance, spark plugs. Spark plugs only care about miles. Time makes no difference. If it's 20 years old and it's got 10,000 miles, those plugs look like brand new. I see. It's just strictly going to fire X number of times and so many miles, and that's going to wear them out. Anything chemical or fluid is generally going to care more about time passage because chemical reactions occur 24-7 whether you run the car or not. I see. All righty. Okay. Okay, uh, Thank you very much, and love your show. Thank you, Thank sir. You. Bye-bye. Hi, right, if you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we would love to have you. we got Greg online. Good morning, Greg. Hey, good morning, guys. Yes, sir. I think it might have messed up on my car here. Okay. Last night, my transmission, well, mm-hmm. not my transmission, my clutch went really soft on me. Okay. And so I got over there, I pulled it off, got to an auto zone, mm-hmm. and checked the fluid for my clutch. It's 04 Cavalier, got mm-hmm. a hydraulic clutch. Yes, sir. It was, yeah, it was really low. Okay. I go into AutoZone and say, hey, I've never had a vehicle with a hydraulic clutch. Mm-hmm. Can you look up what kind of fluid I need? Yeah. They look it up, they said, Hey, you need automatic transmission fluid. Nope. Eh. <laughs> yeah. Wrong. And no, it takes brake fluid. Yeah, that's what I found yeah. out. Any this kind morning. of petroleum is going to wipe out everything in that hydraulic system. Greg, you're going to end up now. Not only do you have to change the master cylinder, which was probably the original problem, but you're going to need to change the slave cylinder and possibly even the hose connecting right. them. Any petroleum that remains in that system is going to wipe everything out. All right, so it's been trying to get. I put in some brake fluid this morning, mm-hmm. and I've been trying to soak up. Yeah, it's the, not gonna uh, happen. It's, it's not gonna work. It's not gonna happen, Greg. You yeah, have to change it. Happen, huh? Got to be replaced. The parts yeah. have got All to right. be changed. The second that petroleum hit that rubber, it swole up, and that's it. It's done. All right. How long can I last? I'm not. No, long you can't. You're, you're, you're done. You're done right well, now. <laughs> well, okay. But my quick question is: I'm working at Lafayette right uh-huh. now. I'm working today, yep. tomorrow, Monday. Yeah. It, can I it, drive no, it? No, I wouldn't. No, it's going to go out. It's going to completely go out. It's, it ain't going to be very long. I mean, normally a matter of hours. All right. That yeah. good. I mean, you're going to be okay. stranded. You'd be better off to go rent you a car or something if yeah. you have to because you can get stranded. I mean, it's going to, what's going to happen, you can push clutch pedal, hit the floor, and it ain't going to do anything. Okay, it, it's, it's, it's going it's to leave you broke down for sure. All right, well, okay. appreciate it. All right, Greg. All right. Thank you, man. Bye-bye. I know that's what it's going to hurt. I know, I know it wouldn't, but, but that's, that's the reality. The second that that petroleum hits that rubber, it's done. That's right. It and swells up, and there's no bringing it back. Yeah, it's going to break down catastrophically right. and leave you stranded. I had a fella earlier this week who we checked his car, and he was fixing to go on vacation to Tennessee, and he had a code. P1870, I think it was, maximum adaptive shift learn. I said, well, transmission is going to go out. We don't know if that's two weeks or two years, but it's going to go out. He said, well, can I take it to Tennessee? I said, well, I wouldn't. Because if it breaks down halfway between Gaston, Alabama, and, <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. Chattanooga, you're going to be in a lot of trouble there. You know, you'd yeah. be better off to take another car, or if you don't have another car, maybe you rent, rent a car. car. Yeah. Now, if you want to put around town, that's fine. 
Well, yeah, because you're not far from any service. Right. Worst case, you have to have it towed in if it breaks. But when you're putting yourself out on the road, yeah. not, you know, you're on that spillway bridge. Well, even that, you're away from your comfort zone. That's right. You know, you're away from the people you know. That's right. You're away from the people you trust. And mm-hmm. you've got to take into mind, hey, if something happens on the road, yeah, you've got to find somebody. Yeah, and who knows and who, who you're going to yeah, get. Exactly. So, yeah, good good point. Let's go back to the phone lines. we got John on line. Good morning, John. Morning. I guess yes, we ought to call this the GM show this morning, huh? <laughs> That's pretty much every well Ford's gonna catch up, believe me. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I, I got a I got a O one suburban and I got two questions about it. Okay. I don't think they're related. Okay. I'll tell you what's going on first and then ask the questions. I'm getting a low coolant light mm-hmm. and not running hot, mm-hmm. no problems. I get a low coolant light. Okay. And I'll get it home and let it cool off just mm-hmm. a little bit. Yes, sir. Open the reserve tank. Mm-hmm. You know the, the, the tank. Yes, sir. Right. Yes, sir. Add just a little bit to it. I don't, you know, I don't fill it up all the way. Yes, I sir. add it up to where I think it's going to be close to the line. Okay. I go back out, I don't know, two hours later, uh-huh. and in front of the passenger tire on the ground, I got a puddle of fluid there. Okay. Uh-huh. I can tell you exactly what happened. <laughs> what is it? The reason the light's coming on, more than likely the little switch, the float switch in that jug mm-hmm. has gone bad on you. Mm-hmm. That's okay. pretty common on a GM. The only okay. way to change that switch is to change yeah. the jug. Okay. You have to replace the whole jug. The whole jug. It comes if, with the sensor. If, if that's the thing. But if now, it's a sensor. If you're losing fluid and it's running well, out in that particular area. That is the overflow for the jug. You think? I kind of figured if, that. If you're, not, if you're not careful when you put fluid into that mm-hmm. jug, the hole for the vent is right there in the top, just like a radiator. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, if it pulls right. any at all, it's going to run out that vent, and it's going to run right there on the ground. Can you unplug the sensor temporarily mm-hmm. and diagnose it? You can unplug the sensor. I'm not sure if the light comes on when you do that or if it goes out. Yeah. It's easy way, It's easy to get to. It's what right I on would the back side, bottom John, of the jug. Next time the light comes on, just ignore it. Don't put any fluid in there. And, of course, it's going to keep coming on. But see if the fluid on the ground dries up and quits coming there. Well, the only time but, but the reservoir stays full. If the reservoir is not getting empty, in other words, if it's not actually going down. No, it's not. The okay. reservoir is not getting empty. Well, then okay. it's going to be the switch in the reservoir. That's right. very common on a Suburban. We, so we change those all replace, the time. You have to replace the entire tank. Yes. Yes. yes, it's, yes it's actually molded into the tank. It is. Oh, I, it's I, kind I, of a... About an 80 or $90 yeah. part, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. All yeah. right. Well, good. Then that yes, as long as it's not actually place. losing coolant, then that's that's the only other option. Yeah, now, yeah, and, and I don't, I don't. It's not the cool. It doesn't look like there's got oil in it or right, anything. Right, right, right. I have so, seen the the seam separate on those jugs before, and uh-huh. if the fluid gets up on that seam, it'll leak uh-huh. out, and of course, it's going to leak right there in that same area. Okay. Yeah. Like Lewis said, next time it comes on, just let it sit. Don't right. put anything in it just and see if it still make, has fluid. Make sure it's not actually losing coolant right. because there's a few it, issues it, that will make them lose coolant that'll make the light come on too. That's a whole different well, now, issue. It, it'll, it will. I mean, if you, if you. Park it at night, uh-huh. you know, and then you get back in, and it'll the light will stay off. And sometimes it comes back on. And like like this morning, I was I was in a living central. Mm-hmm. I drove to back yes. and mm-hmm. came back, never came on. No yeah, problem. that sounds like that. They, yeah. they act intermittently like that when they go out. You know, sometimes okay, they'll second, come on, sometimes they won't. Good. Second question. Mm-hmm. That's good. I was worried about intake manifold. Yeah, yeah. not Very on that common. one. Yeah, not on yeah, that I know one. That's is. a five three. The five three. The intake will leak, but it leaks air. It doesn't right. have coolant in the intake. Those were bad about the water pump leaking. Is my oil pressure gauge, mm-hmm. when I'm just sitting at idle, yes, sir. it comes up to about 35% of the scale range. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Okay. And when it sits there, the, the needle is oscillating. Back yes, sir. And forth yes, real, sir. real quick. Okay? Almost always going to be the oil pressure sender unit. That's very common failure on them as well. 
Again, about a $90 part, all the way in the back of the motor up against the firewall. Kind of a booger to get to. If you got you a remember flashlight, on the old small box where the distributor used to be? Yeah, yeah. Back yeah. there. In the same place it so used to be. There's no distributor anymore, but it's... The, it's still buried back there behind the intake. All the way behind the intake in the back against the firewall. Well, that sounds like a knuckle buster. It is. Oh, it is. And about another $90 part. <laughs> <laughs> a $90 to death. 90 bucks is kind of the magic word with GM. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> On the cheap right, stuff. Guys. On the cheap stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. Well, look, I appreciate y'all's help. Okay, All man. right there. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. All right, Paul of the Automotive Eye, we would absolutely love to have you. And we've got Steve online. Good morning, Steve. I think oh. we dropped Steve. Sorry, Steve. Call right back. We'll put you back at the top of the list. we got Pete online. Good morning, Pete. Hey, how y'all doing? Doing great, Good morning. Sir. Hey, I got a question for you sure. on. I got a 2002 Ford F-150. Okay. And I'm trying to hold on of it. I don't believe this. I've never had a major problem in it. It's got a 285,000 yes. miles on it. Must be That's a six-cylinder, huh? It, it, I, I got it when it was new and just been taking good yeah. care of yeah. it. Say, is it a six-cylinder engine? Yeah, six yeah. cylinders. Yeah, the 6 yeah. are great. They last 300,000 miles. Now, the 5.4 and the 4.6 is, nah, not so much. But, uh, I, yeah, if I was going to buy an F-150, I'd buy a six-cylinder. Really? Oh, well, yeah. I, I, I love this truck. They've been great. They've been pretty great. Mm-hmm. But anyway, look, guys, my air is out, but I don't think it's not my compressor or nothing. It's just the, when you're going fast and you turn the air on, you can get cold air and you can get heat. Okay. It's just not, the blower isn't blower working. working. Yeah, yeah. Is that the fan or could it be the switch in the Well, dash? you'd have to check and see. It could be either one, Pete, or the little control module in between, but it's pretty simple to check if you're fairly handy. Just get voltmeter. Uh-huh. Go out and locate the fan. Uh-huh. Pull the pigtail off the fan. There's going to be two little connectors there. Uh-huh. Just touch your voltmeter across them and see if you got 12 volts. If you got 12 volts there and the fan does not run, it's the fan motor. Okay. If you don't have 12 volts there, then it's something upstream. you got to kind of go upstream. I've seen the switches burn out on them, and I've seen the blower control module go out on them quite a bit. And e- any one of those can cause the same problem. The difference is going to be you won't have voltage at the fan if one of those is bad, and you will if the motor's bad. So pretty, is that is that a big fix? No, no, it's about an hour to change as far as labor and the part. Man, I'd lie to you if I told you probably around a hundred bucks somewhere for a motor. Okay. All right. And the uh, switch is not too bad either, and the module's not horrible. I mean, they're all probably two three hundred dollar deal, maybe a little less, but okay. not thousands or anything. What you think? Uh, said a little engine like this, I ought to be able to get three hundred out of. Yes, these. sir. Pretty regular. What? You think I could go even more than that? Possible. You're taking care of it. All right, all right. It's it's kind of like our body. How long you go has a lot to do with how well you took care of it along the way. Right. I was wanting to throw a tune-up on it. You think I ought to get a major tune-up, or should I just... How long has it been? Oh, it's it's been a good while. Yeah, ain't gonna hurt anything for sure. And uh, just use motorcraft parts when you go back. Don't buy the aftermarket junk. Some of the aftermarket junk you buy in the parts store is worse than what you're taking off. Okay. Doesn't even work right out the box, man. We couldn't tell you how many times a week somebody comes in with a whole mess of new parts on there. We take all that junk off, put the motorcraft stuff back on and fix the problem. Hey, uh, this just popped into my head. I'm about to get the transmission fluid changed. Yes, sir. Should they be changing the transmission filter? Absolutely, yes, oh, sir. Oh, yes. Because mm-hmm. the last couple places, I don't think, did it. They, they all they're doing, doing, a, it a, doing a flush. All they're doing is taking your money, man. Go on my website. Type in the word flush in the search bar. You're going to see about 100 articles in there on that. Basically, you're wasting your money doing a flush. You want to drop the pan to a proper service. All right, I got you. Okay? All right, thank you. All right, Pete. Thank you, man. Bye-bye. All right, we're going to take a quick little break. Steve and Jim, hang on. You guys be straight up after the break. Six to six. It winds from Chicago to L.A. 
Kate, we can shop tomorrow. I'm off to Agco for my car's general inspection. I take it once a year so the team at Agco can catch any potential problems before they become huge repairs down the road. You know, things like small rattles and shakes can become issues and you never can be too... A general inspection each year would be great for my marriage. Kate, thanks for bringing David in for his general inspection. Overall, he's in pretty good shape for an older model. I replaced his sensitivity regulator, which was getting a little worn. His not listening to my partner and leave the seat up lights were both about to come on, so I fixed that. As far as preventive maintenance, more fiber, less beer, and watch his portion control, especially on the weekends. And thank goodness for Agco. Kate? Kate, are you listening? Yeah, yeah, sorry. Sounds like a general inspection from Agco can improve my marriage. I, I mean vehicle. Uh, improve my vehicle. Keep your car on the road longer. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Join us the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alexander. Got Mr. Brian Terry right here by my side. And between two of us, we can answer any automotive questions you might have. You go ahead and just give us a call. Going right back to our phone lines. Jim, good morning, Jim. Good morning to you, Louis. How are yeah, you doing? Doing great, sir. Got a question about a 2002 Ford Explorer. Okay. It's got about 160,000 miles wow, on okay, it. Okay, good. I noticed uh, it had a little water leak underneath it, and it was losing water out the reservoir. Okay. I never could figure out what it was. And, and then it dawned on me it's probably the water pump. Okay. We, you know? Mm-hmm. And I said, well, geez, 160,000 miles, I'll change it. So right. I did that, and I changed the two hoses. Uh, uh-huh. Not not any of the heater hoses. Yes, sir. Seven of them or something mm-hmm. like that. Yes, sir. I'm still smelling it, and I'm still mm-hmm. seeing a little bit of water disappear out of the reservoir. Yeah, what you're going to need to do, Jim, is probably take that to someone, have them do a pressure test on it. They should be able to locate that for you pretty quick. I've never seen a leak on those vehicles that you can't find pretty easily. Most of the cooling system is pretty well exposed. The only one to give you a little bit of difficulty is if the heater core were leaking, which sometimes that does happen on those. And what it'll do is it'll leak into the tray that the evaporator drips in, and the air conditioning water will kind of dilute it and wash it out, and it'll just drip out with the air conditioning. And that's a little hard to find. Well, I wasn't seeing it in that particular location. I was, uh, it was in the front of the vehicle where I see a little puddle. Yeah, if it's in the front, the is time. the puddle still there? Uh, no, not all the time. Yeah, I, mean, it was, I uh, would suspect if it's in the front of the vehicle, you may have a little crack in one of your radiator tanks. That's got plastic radiator tanks on them, and they'll get a little hairline crack in them, and they only leak sometimes for whatever reason. Eventually, it'll blow out, and it'll just gush out, and that's going to be the end of it. Is that the original radiator in there, Jim? Yes, sir. Well, man, you got to figure that thing's almost nine years old. That's about the life of any radiator anymore. I mean, if you get eight years, you're done pretty good. Nine, you're on borrowed time, and ten is almost unheard of. So okay, do a pressure test on it. It'll show up pretty easily. You could physically inspect it, but you got to kind of sort of know what you're looking for because, I mean, these little cracks are hairline cracks. You almost sure. have to get a, ma- a magnifying glass out to see it. And you might see a little white film around where it's leaking because when it leaks out, the calcium in that stuff will kind of dry up and leave a little white trace a lot of times. Look real good at the tanks themselves and look where the core and the tanks come together and just okay. see if you don't see a little drip there. Because what happens if it's a real small drip, what it'll do, it'll drip down onto that core, which is hot. So it'll evaporate. Mm-hmm. And the fan's sitting there sucking air through it, so it just evaporates when it's running. You'll never see it drip. And only under certain conditions will it drip down enough to hit the ground. Not only that, it's got like a tray called the radiator support under there. That'll catch it and hold it a lot. 
So it may not drip all the time, but that's almost always if it's in that area. There's just nothing else up there that's going to leak. Okay, yeah, it's pretty well shrouded. Uh, it is. It's yeah, hard to you're going guess... to have to take a flashlight and lean over and look down through where the fan mm-hmm. is and uh-huh. try to look back up against where the core and the tanks come together. Okay. You know, make sure the engine's not running. Reach in there. You may have to move the fan out the way. I had to say that. <laughs> <laughs> Got to be politically correct yeah, anymore. I, you know? I had to say that. But just take move the fan around where you can see the whole core in there, mm-hmm. and you'll probably stumble across it. Yeah, I mean, you sound like you're pretty handy. You want to just go ahead and replace that radiator. You're not going to hurt yourself at all. Cause no, I can it's tell on you, borrowed it, time. Yeah, nine years, that radiator is just about done, man. How long ago did you put the water pump on? Recently? Uh, this week. This yeah. week. Just catch, see if catch you catch most of your coolant. Yeah, reuse it. Just make sure you strain it out. Maybe take something real fine, like a piece of cheesecloth or cheese something cloth like would that. Work. Yeah, put something it, like that. You, you, you want to strain the trash out of it because eventually, you know, inevitably when it runs out the, on the vehicle, it's going to pull trash with it and you, oh, yeah. your new coolant's going to have trash floating in right. it. Right. You don't want that back in your radio. Oh, for that matter, I mean, gallon antifreeze doesn't cost that yeah. much, you know. Yeah, I'll replace the whole thing. You yeah, know? I would almost guarantee that's where it's going to be. There's hardly anything else that's going to leak in that area of the vehicle. Mm. And you're okay. going to very likely be on bar time with that radiator anyway. If it's not, I would guarantee you the worst, the hottest day of August of this year, <laughs> <laughs> at the worst possible time when you're late for a business meeting or you got your wife and your kids in the car, it's going to blow out uh. and you leave you stranded. Well, it was, it was driving me crazy because I can't see it, but yeah. I can smell it. Yeah, yeah. and it's, antifreeze it's has what they call odorant in it that gives uh-huh. it that smell. And mm-hmm. it only takes a drop for you to smell it. But what happens, if that drop hits that core, that core is almost 200 degrees. It's going to evaporate mm-hmm. that water, and the fan's pulling air across it, so it ain't, it's never going to hit the ground. Okay. Yeah, you know, it's going to make a little smell, but it's not going to ever hit the ground. It has to be a pretty good-sized leak before it starts leaking on the ground. Well, I saw a little wet spot underneath when we took water pump water off. Water pump off, so yes, I sir. Figured we, we got it like that. Yeah, you know, but, and I bet you if you took that radiator out, you'll see a wet or a green or a white looking spot somewhere on it. You may even see the crack once it's out of there. Okay. All righty. I'm mighty fine, guys. Okay. Thank you very much. Thanks, All right. sir. Bye bye. If you want to be part of the automotive hour, we'd sure love to have you. And we got Steve online. Good morning, Steve. Hey, guys. How y'all doing? Doing great, sir. Good morning. Good. Got an 06 Ford F-150 uh-huh. Super Crew. Okay. A couple of weeks ago, when I'm uh, idling the truck, just coasting. Yes, sir. It'll, the idle will start jumping, like the truck will start bucking. Okay. And so It's doing it when you come into a stop, kind of? Coasting to a yeah, stop? If, if I stop and I'll take my foot off the brake, uh-huh. it'll just start accelerating, decelerating. It'll like just start jumping, hmm. even when I'm in but, reverse. But when you got your foot on the brake, it, it's okay? Yeah, I mean, you can sort of hear the engine one to Trying, idle up and yeah, idle down. Yeah, Few things can cause that, Steve. The simplest thing is going to be a dirty throttle body. If the throttle body is dirty, the blade can't go all the way to what it calls home position, which is all the way down. And you see there's a sensor on there called a throttle position sensor. And what it does, when you start the engine, it says, okay, this is all the way closed. Then it cracks mm-hmm. it open and says, okay, this is open. So it knows the range. Now, if that throttle body is dirty and it can't close all the way, it can't learn home, and it'll sit there and idle up and down, up and down, up and down, this is particularly prone if you've had the battery disconnected or the battery changed in it lately. That'll generally make it worse. It's not necessary to bring it on, but that generally makes it worse because it loses the idle function, and it really gets worse after that. The few other things that can cause that, the throttle position sensor can cause the same issue because it doesn't know where the throttle is. 
And mm-hmm. one last thing is a vacuum leak can cause that kind of a problem because what's happening, you're getting unmetered air into the engine. It's not going through the airflow meter. So mm-hmm. what's happening is that it's got more air than fuel. So the computer says, hey, we're leaning out, and it adds more fuel and speeds up. Then it says, no, wait a minute, we're not supposed to be running this fast, so it shuts it down. And it just kind of starts cycling up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down. So that okay. one of those things would probably be it. Do you get any kind of check engine lights with it? No check engine lights, but it was just odd. The other day, all of a mm-hmm. sudden, my air conditioning quit, quit blowing cool air. Yeah, it will. Place. See, if it can't control idle, it's going to shut the AC down. Ah, computer yeah. will shut the AC down if it can't control the idle. Okay. Because so uh, it doesn't want the engine to die, and it's, it, that's about a 40-horsepower draw, so it's going to shut it off. That's, air conditioning is considered a non-essential system, which right. they've never been in South Louisiana, obviously. But it will shut the AC down when the idle gets erratic. Okay, so throttle sensor. Yeah, throttle position uh, sensor is one possibility. Dirty throttle body is another possibility. Vacuum leak is another. And there's probably a few more, but they're going to be way over your head. You, you almost have to bring it to somebody to get those done. Okay. I'd try, try those three if you're pretty handy. And if not, I mean, just get it in. We can check it for you tell you which one it is. That's an expensive one? Not necessarily. It could be fairly simple. I mean, vacuum leak would be fairly easy. You just find it. It's harder than fixing it usually. Okay. All right, All right guys. Okay. I appreciate it. Thank you, man. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, we got to take one more quick little break. Kelly, Deborah, hang on. You guys be straight up after this break. shop tomorrow. I'm off to Agco for my car's general inspection. I take it once a year so the team at Agco can catch any potential problems before they become huge repairs down the road. You know, things like small rattles and shakes can become issues and you never can be too... A general inspection each year would be great for my marriage. Kate, thanks for bringing David in for his general inspection. Overall, he's in pretty good shape for an older model. I replaced his sensitivity regulator, which was getting a little worn. His not listening to my partner and leave the seat up lights were both about to come on, so I fixed that. As far as preventive maintenance, more fiber, less beer, and watch his portion control, especially on the weekends. And thank goodness for Agco. Kate? Kate, are you listening? Yeah, yeah, sorry. Sounds like a general inspection from Agco can improve my marriage. I I mean vehicle. Uh, Improve my vehicle. Keep your car on the road longer. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alvazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Just go ahead and give us a call. We're going right back to our phone lines with Deborah. Good morning, Deborah. Good morning. How y'all doing? Doing great, man. Doing great. Good. I have two questions. Sure. My first question is, I have a 2005 Ford Freestyle. Okay. And every now and then, the battery light comes on. Mm-hmm. Um, I have had the alternator and the battery checked. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't show anything. Yeah, that's a pretty common problem on those vehicles, Deborah. It's yes, almost always going to be the alternator, but it's an intermittent type of a problem. Yes, if sir. only thing is happening is the lights occasionally coming on and yes, the battery's sir. not going dead and you're not having any other problem, I really wouldn't worry too much about it just because yes, I've seen that about a million times on the newer Fords. Okay. Uh, computer-controlled alternator, I believe they've got some kind of a glitch in that system. Sure. Normally it does it a lot when you're accelerating. It, right. it, what most people complain about when you accelerate, it does it, but yes, it goes sir. right back out. I haven't mm-hmm. seen where that really hurts anything, and some people get real freaky about it, and they want to, but it's 
probably about a $400 alternator on that vehicle. So okay. unless you start having other issues with it, I don't know yes, that sir. I would get overly concerned. If it's, if it's really intermittent and it's just for a second and it's not killing your bat or anything, I probably wouldn't be too concerned. Yes, sir. Okay. I have one more question. Okay. My husband is thinking about purchasing an um. I think it's a 2003 GMC Yukon. Okay. But yes, it is used. I think they have like 180-some thousand miles. Okay. okay. Is that a good purchase or something bad? Well, or Deborah. Can you tell if it's something the only thing that you could do to protect yourself is to bring it to someone, have a pre-purchase inspection done on it. The answer to that depends on how well it was taken care of for those first 180,000 miles. If somebody had it and just ran the devil out of it and never did anything to it, it's probably a horrible deal. If somebody had it and took care of it, it may be okay. The big thing is you just want to buy it cheap. You want to buy it at a real reasonable price because you are assuming some risk. Right. And like okay. everything in life, it's risk and reward. The more risk yes. you take, the more reward you can make, whether it's right. the stock market or buying a car or anything else. But you want to curtail your risk. And the yes. way you would do that is to bring it somewhere and have it inspected just to make sure there's not a major problem with it. Right. Okay. But I wouldn't be adverse to buying mm-hmm. it if I were buying it at a good, good price and it checked out okay. Okay. What, do you think like $7,000 is a good price for that many miles? That sounds awful high to me, Deborah, right. on a vehicle okay. that old and with that many okay. miles, but I may be out of touch with reality. No, sir, you're not. That's the same thing I thought. Yeah. I told my husband. You can go to edmunds.com, and you can type in the vehicle with the options and your zip code, and it'll tell you yes, exactly sir. what it's worth locally, even okay. with the high mileage, because you can put the mileage in there. And yes, I'm thinking more like a, about a $4,500 vehicle. <laughs> okay. But, again, I, I may be off base there. No, you're not. Okay. okay. Good. Thank you, sir. All righty, ma'am. Thank yes, you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, if you want to be part of the Automotive Hour. And we got Kelly's been patiently holding. Good morning, Kelly. Good morning. How y'all doing? Doing great, Good morning. Sir. Yeah, I got a 2003 Honda Accord. Okay. And I've been using Shell Gas, which is, I'm trying to think of the middle one. I think it's yeah, the mid-grade. premium. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Okay, my gas being so high, if I was to change to regular, would that be a problem? No, not at all. That car doesn't really require the 91 octane. 87 is going to give you everything you need. Now, one thing you want to watch on that thing, Kelly, your gas mileage may or may not drop a little bit when you go to the lower grade. And if it does drop and it drops significantly enough, it could be that it's worth paying the extra to get the mid-grade. However, that being said, it's not going to hurt the car at all. And as long as it's cost-effective to you, then, yeah, no reason you can't do it. I would stay with Shell Gas. You keep running Shell, just go to the 87 grade because it should run on there just fine. It's just a regular card. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah regular card will run fine on 87 octane. What is going to happen is that generally the engine is going to retard the timing slightly because of the lower octane, and sometimes that can adversely affect your fuel mileage, but not always. Some cars, it doesn't make much difference at all. Others, it does make some difference. I mean, if it drops you four miles to the gallon and you do the math, it may be cheaper to run the higher octane. And you, you can go on my website. There's a calculator in there, and you can just uh-huh. type in how many miles you drive, how much you pay for two different kinds of fuel, type in your mileage with both, and it'll calculate it for you and tell you which one's cheaper to use. Oh, okay. All righty. And what's that website? Uh, www.agcoauto.com. Agcoauto.com stands for Altazan's Garage Company. Okay, I appreciate that. All right, Kelly. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye. All right, you want to report of the Automotive Hour? And we've got John online. Good morning, John. Hey, Lewis. How y'all doing? Doing great, sir. 
Look, I got a 2008 uh, Silverado. Okay. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Caliper froze up on it. I went ahead and did a brake job yes, all the way around. Was it front or rear, John? Front, left front. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I had to the rotor, had to change yeah. the rotor mm-hmm. and the caliper. Yes, sir. Exactly. Cannot get it bled out. Somebody told me from the dealer that they make a pressurized tank system. Well, they make all kinds of things. If you've got the active braking on that system, which it probably does on an 08, and if you look at the rear-end housing, if you see some little wires going into the rear-end housing. On each side of the axle. On each side. I'm going to tell you what, you just soon tow it somewhere. You're not going to get the pedal back. That thing has a bleeding procedure from hell. If you don't have a Tech 2 scan tool, you just ain't going to get it back even with a pressure tank. That's probably what you got. If you've got a sensor on the brake booster, I think, too. I'm not sure about yeah. that. Yeah, I think they do have a sensor. Yeah, yeah, that's got that traction control or stability Active. control. It ties into the brakes. Tell you what you can just try to, mm. to maybe help you. Do you know what a reverse bleeding brake setup is? It looks like a syringe kind of. No, I'm not familiar with that. Okay, well, they make like a syringe, a big syringe, and you can put brake fluid in it and go to the right rear wheel and push the fluid backwards through the system up to the master cylinder. It's just another way to bleed it. I got you. Sometimes that will work. But I can tell you, the more you pump the pedal, the worse it's going to get, and eventually you're going to wipe the master cylinder out if you keep stroking the pedal. I got you. If you don't want to fool with it, your best bet is tow it over to to us or to somebody else who has the equipment to do it. The first time I ever ran across one of those, I couldn't believe it. But that pedal will hit the floor and it ain't coming back. The more you bleed, the worse it gets. Well, I sure do appreciate it. I'll have to do then. Okay, John. Thank you. Thank you, man. Bye-bye. Right, if you want to be part of the automotive, I'd sure love to have you. Who would have thought? A Chevy yeah. truck. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> I mean, huh? it's darn complicated. Oh, man, they're but, a nightmare. Yeah, we see those quite frequently because folks haven't caught on yet that you can't bleed these in a conventional well, manner i tell you what when they come in the door we spot them right when they oh, walk yeah, in yeah. and there's a whole different procedure for doing the brakes on that oh, vehicle. absolutely absolutely and the tech 2 scan tool can cycle the abs unit and all and it helps especially if you get in the air above the master cell right and many times you end up with two or three different bleed methods and you may spend an hour and a half two hours trying to bleed trying it trying to get the air out of this thing yeah. I, I don't know what in the world they were thinking of when they invented this but i don't know because in a normal braking system you know you you push the pedal down right. you open the bleeder right and that's it well same way it's been for 100 years right and with this system when the, you push the, the pedal you do down that, the and you open gets. that bleeder, <laughs> that pedal hits the floor and it's over. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you got to go through must nine a, miles. Must have been a of, fun day at the office the day they invented ooh, that. Huh? Huh? They're probably still laughing about the way they did that. Somebody <laughs> yeah. sitting in, in Costa Rica somewhere yeah. with a little umbrella drink. Yeah, yeah. Look what we did. Yeah, watch, watch these guys. Yeah. Hold my beer and watch this. That's right. That's right. Hey, let's go back to our phone. I've got Russell online. Good morning, Russell. Good morning. Yes, Good sir. morning. My daughter's got a Chevy Tahoe. Yes, sir. O two. Okay. And it's got like a hundred fifty thousand miles. Okay. And she was wondering whether she should keep it with the gas going up like it is because it doesn't get great gas mileage. Yeah, that would ought to give her probably about sixteen, seventeen in town, maybe twenty on the road. Right. Now, if you're lucky. Yeah, depending and, on how it's driven. It depends on how it's driven. It depends, Russell. I mean, if she needs yeah. a vehicle that size, then the cost of a vehicle that she's going to buy, she's never going to save enough gas to pay for another vehicle. No. Now, if she could get by with a much smaller vehicle or she's tired of this vehicle or she just wants another vehicle, well, those are all good reasons. But if you really do the math on this thing, and again, on my website there's a calculator where you can type in two vehicles with two different gas mileages, and it's going to tell you how much money you're going to save with it. Right. If you do that, you're going to be shocked at how little money you're going to save even at 5 bucks a gallon. It just right. don't amount to that much money. You can save a couple hundred bucks a year. 
Well, when you're paying seven hundred dollar a month notes on a new vehicle, a couple hundred bucks a year ain't gonna make a whole lot of difference. Right. So well, I mean, if she likes the vehicle, it does what she, she likes, wants. She loves the car. Man, I wouldn't be trading because you know if she's taking care of it, one hundred fifty thousand right. miles, she's probably got at least at got, least two hundred thousand miles she, of service, and maybe she's more. Got a, she's got one hundred fifty-seven, I believe. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, those go two hundred pretty regular, and pretty really two fifty if it's been right. took care of. So you figure she may have another hundred thousand miles. Hey, you could always watch how you're driving a vehicle because that has a lot to do with gas. Miles. That's right. You know, right. if you if you're hot rodding it off the lights right. and, and things like that, no, it's not going to get good mileage you, at all. I tell you what, a change of driving style, you can pick up as much as three, four, five miles a gallon, yeah. which is probably the same thing you get buying a new car, right? For absolutely no money, you know, just change driving I said, style. Just use what you got. I'm trying to put together an article on that topic right now for the website, but it's just gotten to be a bigger and bigger thing. The more I look into it, the the more it seems to grow. But just strictly driving style, man, you can make a tremendous difference in your mileage. Okay, well, I'll talk to her and tell her that. Okay, Russell. And I was, I was going to get it down here and let you check it over when I get it to come down from Texas. Well, Russell, you know, we could check it over and make sure she's getting all she can get. Some things that can cut the mileage down that you can – but you're not going to change it from where you are to a huge amount without something else changing, like either the driving style or something like that. And it's just, to me, it's – I know people all the time who buy another car to get more gas. They buy another car to get five miles a gallon – just do the math. Man, you ain't never going to catch up. You're way no, behind no. eight ball dollars-wise. Right. And also, uh, uh, check engine light stays on. They, well, they, that will be the first place to start. Right. See, yeah. most things that affect check engine lights are also going to affect your gas mileage drastically. Right. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll see if I get it to come down and I'll give you a call let you check it. Sounds fine. good, man. Good enough. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. Thank you. Bye. Huh? All right. We've got to take a quick little break. Stan and Janice, hang on. You guys will be straight up after this break. Madame Babushka, you can tell if my brand new bow and mirror are a good match? Yes. As I gaze into my crystal ball, I see him over a grill. And now he's on a couch watching football, eating a large plate of meat. Meat? Yes, no veggies. Now I see him on a boat, fishing, and then on a deer stand. Fishing and hunting? Yes, I'm afraid so. Wouldn't it be great if you could look into your car's future to see the road ahead? At Agco, you can. Take your car to Agco once a year for a general inspection. It's the best way to catch any potential problems that could lead to bigger repairs down the road. Ah, it looks like all this man wants to do is watch sports, hunt, fish, and grill. Oh, Madame Babushka, I love all those things. He sounds perfect. Thank you so much. Huh, c'est la vie. My work here is done. Keep your car on the road longer. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. You just join us the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, president of Agco Automotive. Got Mr. Brian Terry, our lead tech from Agco here. Between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. And I see all our lines are stacked up. And stacking up some more. <laughs> just in case we don't get a chance to get your call. That's right. You can always get your questions answered uh-huh. at our website, which is www.agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. Easy way to remember that. It's Aldazan's Garage Company. There's a contact ball on every page send lewis an email 24 7 he'll get them back to you as soon as he can i, I answer those all day long every day should you happen not to get one back 
resend right. it. Go to make sure you use the website form right. to get the question. Yeah, if to you us. just reply to an old email address, I won't get it because it. I have a program that scans all those out, so you have to fill out a new form each and every time. And if you don't get something back within 24 hours, be sure you check. Make sure your return address is proper on there because if I all it takes is one character out of place. Well, if I and try it to send it, back. pops it back. Then yeah, as far as I can go, but you got about 900. And thirty questions on there in the vehicle questions that have already been answered, and then you also the, got the short to the point answer right. to a particular question. You also got your detailed topics, which is much more information. Put one on there this morning on myths about automotive service, and what this is is ten very persistent myths that people spend a lot of money on and actually do themselves a disservice. Correct. One is about serpentine belts. Most people don't know a lot about that, and they change a lot of good belts that they're putting back a belt that's not as good as the one they're taking off, and they also overlook a lot of bad belts. Correct. Just because the ways of checking them have changed. There's things on there on tire dressing, how that is not good for your car. Fuel Mm -hmm. injecting cleaner, not good for the car. On and on, 10 different things that may save you a whole lot of money, and that's just one of many, many items on there. Put one on last week on head gaskets and stuff like that. Lots and lots of those on there. Pop on there, read it, see what you think. I think you'll really like it. A lot of good information. Lots of great free information, non-biased. Right. It's Agco Auto, A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O, Altazan's Garage Company. And I think you'll really like it. We're going to our phone lines. Let's see. We have got Stan's been patiently holding. Good morning, Stan. morning, guys. How you doing? Good morning. Great, sir. Got a quick question. Well, I hope a quick question. I've got a 92 Ford Bronco Uh on the original owner, 5.8 liter engine. Okay. Occasionally, and this is a sporadic problem, mm-hmm. going up a hill, mm-hmm. sometimes it jerks around, hesitates. I'm not sure how you want to phrase it, okay. but it's jerking probably. Only going uh, up the hill, though? Going up, only going up the hill. The RPMs more or less stay the same, like yes. if you're going 70 or 2,000, mm-hmm. and sometimes it may drop as low as 5 miles an hour, jerking up, and then once yes, you get on level or going down. i tell down, you what, Stan, first thing to do if you hadn't done it already is change the fuel filter because that is an absolute classic mm-hmm. uh, symptom of a clogged-up fuel filter. Uh-huh. What it will do is it'll restrict the flow, and you get plenty at an idle, and you get plenty when you're cruising along. But when you're going up a hill, you, you need more gas. And if you can't get more gas, it's going to cut the power way down. It's going to start hesitating and skipping like that. If you change the fuel filter and that doesn't do it, then the next thing you need to do is to get the fuel pressure checked because you may have a fuel pump that's going out. That's almost always going to be a fuel-related problem when, you, when you're having symptoms like that. And that vehicle has a distributor, correct? Correct. Okay. Mm-hmm. Possibly you've got a plug wire breaking down. Yeah, well, because just, you know under a load. Wire is placed. Yeah, I was gonna say most likely that's gonna be a fuel system type yeah. problem. Try changing your fuel filter first. You might be surprised. Okay, because it was doing it prior to me changing the filter and the pump. You know, several years ago. So, I, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so I'm still scratching my head. I thought maybe it was a vacuum leak or something. No, no, nothing. Nothing like that will affect you under load at high speed. That'll okay. affect you at an idle because, see, at high speed, you got more air flowing through there, so it doesn't care if it's a vacuum leak or not. It has no way to even know. Okay. So nothing like that's going to affect that. If the fuel filter and the fuel pump, I would put a fuel pressure gauge on it because just because you replace the pump doesn't mean necessarily it's a good pump and doesn't mean it hadn't gone bad in the last several what years. What you can either. do is actually take that gauge and tape it to the windshield where mm-hmm. you can see it and go Drive duplicate it. the problem. Right, see if your pressure's duplicate dropping it, off. See if the pressure starts dropping. That's almost always going to be a fuel-type problem. Now, if not, then you're going to need to get it into someone with some instrumentation have them check it for you. There's lots of other things it can be, but they're pretty obscure, and that's real common. Yeah, but that would cause something sporadic, though, not on a consistent basis. Oh, yes, yeah, sir. It's going to mostly be when you're under extreme load, like going up a hill and accelerating. Yeah, because that, that's when like, you're – Fuel, uh, you know, your fuel requirements are at maximum at that point. 
Because I could go two or three weeks going up and down hills, no problem, and then the next week all of a sudden it would act up. Yeah, if that's the case, I would almost suspect that fuel pump has got a bad spot in it. You know, it's got a little check valve and all the check valve maybe hanging at a certain time, bleeding some pressure off when it shouldn't. That's the kind of thing that it sounds like. Seeing a loose wire on a fuel pump even cause that, but generally it's not going to require you accelerating. First step is to put a fuel pressure gauge on and see what's happening. Okay, and the ethanol and the gas now, that wouldn't have any effect on it? Yeah, that could wipe your fuel pump out because that vehicle was never designed to run on ethanol. It's definitely going to shorten its life considerably, but that in and of itself is not going to cause that problem. Yeah, okay, good deal. Okay, man. Thank you very much. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, and let's see, we have got Janice has been patient holding. Good morning, Janice. Good morning. How are you? Doing great. I called you a few weeks ago, and I have to tell you exactly what you told me was wrong wrong with my car. Okay, well, good. I have a 2004 Chevrolet Impala. Uh Uh-huh. And I need to know what octane and what kind of gas I should use. Janice, that'll run just fine on 87 octane, which is the lower grade. You know, it well, doesn't... that's what I'm using. Yeah. I've been listening to your show, and uh-huh. my son also told me there's a higher octane. My question is, mm-hmm. where can I find these stations? Well, just any Exxon or Chevron or Shell or any, any of, the, of those the, the kind big of name. name brand, you know, the, the names you, you recognize, uh-huh. that's the ones you want to go to. And I'm not going to use any names because I don't want to get in trouble, but you don't want to buy gas from a department store or these, these other companies that don't have their own refineries, the private label type companies. Uh-huh. Every time I've ever had anyone come in with a major fuel system problem, I ask them where they buy the gas, and that's always what I hear. Guy was in early this week with a Toyota. He spent $1,100 on a fuel pump. We dropped the tank. It's full of sludge and water and everything else. Uh-huh. And I asked him where he got his gas, and it wasn't Exxon, Chevron, or Shell. <laughs> okay. You know what I'm saying? And I've just seen that so many, many, many times in my life. But, yeah, stick with the name brands and try to find a high-volume station. I buy my gas at the Exxon at the corner of Corsi and Airline Highway. Oh, yeah. They've got a good price. They sell a huge amount of gas, so that gas is always fresh. There's another Exxon down at the end of at Corsi and, and Jones, Jones Creek. Creek. Yeah. And I notice those guys are usually a nickel cheaper than everybody else, and it's good Exxon gas, and they sell a huge volume, so the gas is always good and fresh. Okay, and you would use the highest grade? Well, I'd use the regular, the regular 87. 87 octane is all you need. The high grade is not going to really do anything in that car. It's not designed for it. Some cars are designed for high octane, and some are not. That one's not. So just the regular 87 octane is fine. Okay. All righty. Well, thank you so much. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Let's see. We got time for one more call? Yeah, yeah I'm, getting, getting, I'm getting a no sign. Getting a no sign there. <laughs> hey, Floyd, if you send me an email, I'll be glad to try to answer your question for you. We're just totally out of time. I want to thank everybody for listening to us this morning and every Saturday morning on the Automotive Hour. I'd like to thank our podcast listeners right. for listening this week and every week and tell your friends so we can get some more people listening. That's right. And be sure you go to the website, www.agcoauto.com. That's A as in Apple, G as in Girl, C as in Charlie, and O as in Oscar. (laughs) (laughs) Agcoauto.com. Real good site. Find a lot of good information in there. Hey, preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.